All right. All right, everyone, take a seat and be on your best behavior. We have a special guest this time. So take your seats, please. Thanks. This is the Change Academy podcast, a deep dive into how to create a healthy mindset, sustainable habits, and a lifestyle that you love. My name is Brock Armstrong, and we'll soon hear from my co-host, Monica Reinagel, because today we have a special guest. Molly Watts is the host of the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast, in which she shares her own experience changing her long-standing drinking patterns and creating a healthier and more peaceful relationship with alcohol. One of the things that we absolutely love about Molly's approach and her podcast is that it's such a great blend of science and personal insight. And Monica was actually recently a guest on the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast talking about how alcohol affects nutrition and weight loss. Now, as you'll find out while you listen to this episode, Molly's approach to behavior change aligns so well with what we talk about here on the Change Academy that, well, we had to have her on the show. And all of this information can be applied to all kinds of behaviors and all kinds of changes. This isn't just about alcohol. So you can find the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And Molly also has a book coming out by the same title that's due out any minute on Amazon.com, but we'll tell you about more of that later. Right now, let's jump into Monica's conversation with Molly Watts. Molly, hello, and welcome to the Change Academy podcast. Hey, Monica, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we launch into our main discussion today, which of course is about creating change, I want to just back up and chat a little bit about your first podcast, which was <laughs> called Live Happier Longer. Yep. And even though that podcast is no longer active, it's still available, but I think it's such interesting background to your current work. So would you just tell us what inspired that podcast and maybe how it laid the groundwork for the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Live Happier Longer was really the inspiration was all because of my dad. My dad is 93 and still here with me. So I'm happy to share that as well. But when I first started thinking about this project, it really was about uh, honoring something that he represented to me. And that is how to age with optimism. And what mm -hmm. I realized was that he didn't get there just in a vacuum. <laughs> he actually had some habits that I could see were very evident in things that he was still doing when I first started developing the podcast and developing the products and things that went behind it that were very relevant still in in his 90s, you know, that it was he was just about to turn 90 when I first did it. And it actually was also being wanting to age like him and wanting to avoid aging like my mom. And I didn't talk very much about my mom in that podcast or in that product stuff because her aging experience was very different. She spent the last 25 years of her life in pretty slow and steady decline. And what I didn't really talk about too much in that podcast or in that whole product launch was that was her struggle with alcohol abuse and alcohol addiction that actually ultimately cost her her life at the age of 81. Hmm. So 
I sort of wanted to focus on all the happy, positive stuff that my dad had done and focus on developing these, what I call the five habits of a happier, longer life. And that, you know, they're still very relevant. I absolutely still practice them today. But somewhere along the line of doing all of Live Happier Longer, I realized that I felt like I was kind of an imposter because Mm -hmm. I had this one negative habit that sort of (laughs) was causing me, I mean, not sort of, it was just there all the time. It was ever present. It was anxiety. And I, it was my own daily drinking habit. And I call it oxymoronic because it felt really illogical to me that alcohol had caused so many problems for me my whole life and um, with my mom. And yet there I was seemingly unable (laughs) to kick my daily drinking habit. So so before we talk more about that, I know the listeners who are not familiar already with your previous podcast, now they're dying to know what are the five <laughs> yeah, habits. I know. So can you just quickly yeah. run down that list for us? Yeah. So they're really, um, and, and you'll appreciate this, I know, because they're all backed by science, which is what really is what I still to this day in Breaking the Bottle Legacy is something very important to me. So the five daily habits are number one, move. Um, it's just scientifically proven that to maintain longevity and to maintain mobility, the number one thing that people fear most as they get older is loss of mobility. So you got to move. Mm-hmm. Don't have to run a marathon. You got to, but you got to move. Uh, number two is learn, and that's again oh. just you know um, <laughs> again backed by science. The more we use our brains, the we can actually prevent and offset dementia. Number three is share, and that's all about social connection because loneliness and isolation are proven it to be detrimental and actually increased mortality rates for for seniors. So we got to stay connected. And so we got to spend time with other people. Give um, is number four. And that's all about gratitude, because it has been scientifically proven that people that express gratitude uh, will live longer. So it's it's directly connected to longevity. And number five is let go, because we have to let go of stress and um, our past regrets and things like that. And again, it's proven to actually improve your aging and improve your longevity. I love that. That's a great list. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> with us. Also, thank you for sharing being so honest about your own struggle. And I can imagine that it must have been some cognitive dissonance to be sort of a guru for healthy mm-hmm. aging and healthy habits. And then to have this habit in your own life that perhaps you felt some anxiety around, uh, maybe some shame to the extent that you were kind of keeping it under wraps. And so just a couple of years ago, you launched a new podcast called Breaking the Bottle Legacy. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, the podcast hasn't even been on for that long. It was really like two years ago that I sort of just got focused for me. I I realized, okay, I can't do this anymore. I got to address this because it was something that I felt not, I, I mean, shame, yes, but I was so used to hiding my mom's drinking for years and years um, that it, to me, it was like second nature to kind of <laughs> not tell people about it, I guess. If Maybe that, just compartmentalize yeah, exactly. That. And, um, but no one around me, I, I think I can say that other people around me wouldn't have thought, oh, she has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. you know? I was very... 
conscious of how much I was drinking because I never liked the idea. I didn't like, I actually didn't like being altered. So I would be very um, specific about how much I was drinking. However, um, and this is important, ladies, I want you to hear me because it's very important. I was drinking probably three to four drinks per night, more on the weekends. Like I said, always trying to very carefully and cautiously not get across a tipping point. But the maximum threshold for low risk drinking for women, uh, healthy women under the age of 65 is one standard drink per night and no Mm. more than three drinks on any one night. So maximum of seven per week. And if you have on three on one occasion, you're going to have to factor in alcohol free days to maintain to stay underneath seven. And that wasn't happening. No, 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 that was not happening at all. (laughs) And we should point out what you just uh, outlined were guidelines associated with low risk drinking, which is not the same as no risk drinking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's actually no such thing. All alcohol consumption comes with some risk. Also, arguably comes with some benefits. And uh, it's about finding that balance that you're comfortable with between your risk tolerance Mm -hmm. and the benefits that you think you're getting out of it. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I'm pretty clear on what I talk about now that there is no healthy, um, you know, there is no safe level associated with drinking 100%. It the only safe level, absolutely 100% safe level is abstinence period. Right. Um, But there is definitely um, some associated, as you said, some there can be benefit, both physical and social benefit to consuming moderate, but I wouldn't even say I, I, I even like to steer away from the word moderate, because people will misuse that word, and they don't really understand it. And I think it's a little bit gray for people. Sure. So again, I really advocate low risk drinking. Well, of course, uh, a big majority of adults in Northern America do drink alcohol at some level, and many of them drink beyond that limit of, of no low-risk drinking. And I th- so I think that you know, changing our thoughts and behaviors or even just looking at our thoughts and behaviors around drinking will be of interest to a lot of our audience, a lot of the people listening now. But I have really enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I think that the insights and tools that you talk about can also be applied to a much wider range of behaviors. You know, I've heard you say, you know, this is a meta skill, Mm -hmm. learning how to work with our, our thoughts and our behaviors, uh, and to create the results that we're looking for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely believe that mastering for me, mastering our understanding that I had the ability to choose what thoughts I wanted to create the feelings that I needed to take the actions that I wanted to get the results I have in my life was <laughs> really a, a one of those, you know, light bulb moments in your life, definitely an epiphany. And I feel like, oh, how did I miss all this when I was growing up? How did I not figure this out? I always sort of sat back and thought that emotions and everything were happening to me. Mm-hmm. And then I was acting, you know, like, just, I don't know, I just was never felt capable of, <laughs> or, or understood that I was capable of driving that ship. And it was really pivotal in helping me change my relationship with alcohol. Because like many people, I used alcohol, what I thought 
to I, what I did was use alcohol to try to take the edge off, right? To take mm-hmm. to to relieve anxiety, to relieve stress. And I really truly believed that <laughs> I needed it to do that. And yeah, you know, it's just it wasn't I was actually fueling my own desire by how I was thinking about it. You know, in uh, just the last episode, Brock and I were talking about sometimes we're too fast to decide that something is out of our control. Oh, yeah. And for a long time, for decades, you were convinced that it was not possible for you to change your relationship or your behavior around alcohol. Why did why did you believe that? <laughs> I, 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 I think that's a great and fair question. I think I believed it because... So what I think about self-limiting beliefs and self and stories that we tell ourselves is some of them, they get ingrained in us in sh- as children, right? Mm-hmm. And we've just been telling ourselves them for so long mm-hmm. that we don't even question them. They just seem like the God's honest truth. That's what I, you know, I, I laugh, I say I'm, I, the world's worst know-it-all. And when the... The problem is when you are a know-it-all, you just trust everything that your brain throws out. So you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, it must be true because I thought it, right? <laughs> like <laughs> You don't like look at it and step back for a moment. And that's another part of this. The meta skill is tapping in and understanding that we as humans are uniquely capable of observing our own thoughts. This is not something that other other species can do. And it's that ability to step back and look and go, oh, hey, wait a minute. That thought doesn't serve me. That isn't the thought that I want to take to, that's going to help me change. Mm-hmm. It's That's a thought that I've just never questioned that's been playing on repeat for years and years and years. And I've just, just accepted it as true. Mm-hmm. What if it wasn't true and this were true instead? Right. How would that change my emotional state? And, right. you know, how would it change the, the actions that I'm taking? And I think that there are so many behaviors that we turn to in an effort to change the way we're feeling. It might be food, it might be alcohol, it might be online shopping or gambling, any, any number of things that we turn to in the belief that this can help us feel differently than we feel right now. And we overlook our own ability to influence how we are feeling. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And that's really at the crux of most negative habits. People are trying, and, you know, for me and for many people that that I talk to, you know, alcohol is that thing Mm -hmm. that we turn to. And that's also because I was an adult child of an alcoholic, because I, I probably had stories around that and had watched it as a coping mechanism, even though, you know, you don't, you, you learn what you live, whether or not you want to as a, as a child. And so you really have to then, again, become cognizant of that. Part of this whole process is being able to become aware of what we are thinking, aware of those subconscious thoughts, aware of those past limiting beliefs and those stories. And for me, it just, it, Alcohol was the thing that I needed to tackle first because that was the, the, the coping strategy and coping mechanism that was most detrimental for me mm-hmm. and was definitely something, like I say, you know, there was, it was just caused an endless amount of anxiety. For other people, it's going to be food or, you know, whatever, but it's the same theory. 
And in the end, after 30 years of drinking every day, (laughs) you indeed changed your relationship to alcohol, which must seem kind of miraculous now when you when you wake up and realize like, here I am after 30 years of not believing that it was possible to have a different relationship in a completely different place. Yeah, I do. I it's funny, because, you know, the further like the further I get away from those all those years, you know, now it's like, it's to this point where I look back and go, did I really? Wow, I really Hmm. thought it was so hard. What was I? Why did I think that? You know, interesting, because now it doesn't my it's just the opposite for me. It's so it's so opposite now. And I and I don't say that in a way that I want people to think it was super easy for me to get here. What it took was time, what it took was dedication, what it took was intention. I used tools that I that I learned and then I really did you know focus my energies on figuring it out, creating a plan, sticking to it and and not giving up. And I think that's I mean really truly one of the things and the messages I hope I share with my with your listeners is that do not take obstacles the the times when you fall off the plan when you don't do you know when you give in to the craving when you don't do what you set out to do as don't allow that to become evidence that you can't do it you just have to keep trying keep moving keep going because it can happen <laughs> yes we've of course talked a lot about how much we can actually learn from failure yeah. and use it as fuel for growth But we can only do that if we're able to access our Mm self-compassion about the fact that we don't always achieve what we're trying to achieve on the first try. And then the other thing that I think is so key is to be curious about what happened, you know, and and be able to look at it in a really non-judgmental, okay, that wasn't what I meant. What was going on there? Mm -hmm. Then failure actually becomes a stepping stone to success. At least that's how I see it. Oh, 100%. You're preaching to the choir. I I mean, compassion and curiosity, I say it over and over again. And one of the things I talk about is my second, you know, is one of the tools is having a, a plan ahead of time for knowing that you will stumble, accepting mm. it, understanding it, planning for it, so that you're right. planning ahead for with compassion and curiosity. What's gonna what's it gonna look like when I don't do when I don't meet my own goals, how is that going to feel? And knowing just, I guess, accepting and realizing it. And if, like I said, creating that mindset going in that I'm just never going to stop, I am going to keep going until I figure this out. Right. And, you know, it's an ongoing process, we continue to figure things out. Because even when we, quote, unquote, solve a problem, our lives change, yeah. <laughs> our external circumstances change, our bodies change, we have to continually be in this process of change and inquiry and growth. And yes, you know, failure, but it's not as bad as we make it out to be. No. And that's, I think, one of the beauties of all this work that, you know, I've done is the realization that I have that power. Yes, I get to determine, I get to choose, I get to, I literally can create the feelings that I need and want in my life. And I can examine when I'm having negative emotions, I have the tools that allow me to figure out why. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing is it's not, you know, I used to just uh, just sit there with this, you know, with these feelings of depression and stress, and think, oh, this really 
sucks, you know, but just writing it out, just thinking, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I know that if I just hang on, you know, I'm going to drink a few drinks and then by tomorrow morning, I'll feel better. You know, that kind of mentality instead of digging in and understanding, hey, wait a minute. What's going on (laughs) here? Actually, yeah, I'm actually creating this feeling in myself. What is it that I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that, and what else could I think instead? Yeah. And we should just point out uh, that you are not completely sober. You do do still sometimes uh, enjoy some alcohol in your life. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I don't even like the word sober. I don't under, I mean, you know, it's, I'm not in, I was never in recovery. And I think for me, again, too, for people that are habit drinkers or people that, that, you know, that drink a few, a couple of glasses of wine a night or a few glasses of wine a night, right? Many people never get to a point where they're really altered, mm-hmm. right? They're not, they don't see themselves as drunk. So it's hard to accept to think, oh, sober, well, right? You're right. That maybe, you know, we use that word just sort of societally, no, I know. Yeah. but maybe abstinent would be a more accurate yeah. word. You're not completely abstinent. <laughs> right. I'm not completely alcohol free, though I do incorporate multiple alcohol free days into my week. Mm-hmm. And I am committed to one completely alcohol free per month per year. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, there are benefits. You talked about it. We mentioned it a little bit. The There are some benefits to drinking just a very, you know, basically it's it's a one and done kind of thing really is what it should be, you know, sometimes too. But it's about keeping a blood alcohol content of 0.55 and not, uh, and not going over that. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of refer to it. It's going to be kind of your own personal Petri dish every time that you drink because, your, how much you've eaten, how tired you are, your age, your gender, all of that comes into play with when you're drinking, Mm -hmm. what you're drinking, Mm -hmm. whether you're drinking wine, whether you're drinking beer, whether you're drinking spirits, all of that's going to have a bearing on how quickly your blood alcohol content goes up. And it's paying attention to that and really trying to gauge for yourself how you feel. But the problem is, is that alcohol is deceptive and we feel we get that euphoric buzz Mm -hmm. it's a biphasic effect and the more you drink the more the negative um side effects bear out and so you need to really go into it with the idea that having a glass of wine with dinner (laughs) is is possibly a fine good thing having multiple glasses is probably not right and it is tricky because maybe more so even than with other substances that we get reward from. Once we've had a drink, the desire for the next drink is very potent. And our ability to kind of negotiate with our higher brains Mm -hmm. uh, is diminished. And I think maybe that is why having that plan ahead of time is so important. Knowing that, right, once I have that first glass of wine, for sure, the thought is going to arise, ooh, you know what would be really good would be a second glass of wine and kind of seeding some thoughts and some behaviors, you know, into the future to cope with that so that when that thought arises, you have a better chance, even though your your judgment may be a little bit and your inhibition has been Mm -hmm. lowered, you have a better chance of being like, oh, right, I, I was ready for this. And exactly. And I've already decided, you know, what happens next. But, you know, again, I do believe that everything that we're talking about can be considered a meta skill for any 
behavior that we tend to turn to in order to change how we're feeling and that starts to create negative consequences. If whatever you're doing to cope isn't creating any negative consequences for you, then that's a great coping mechanism. But (laughs) if it is, you know, then everything that we're talking about here, I think is relevant. Oh, yeah. In one of your recent episodes, I think it was called The Six Keys to Changing Your Relationship with Alcohol, but let's just say with anything, you talked about how important it is to you to have a support community. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why that feels so important or useful to you? Yeah, um, I think that there's, I was actually, um, I've been listening to another, um, reading another book, and um, it's actually proven. I, I didn't realize that when I was talking about it, and now I'm just thrilled because I love science so much. But it's actually psychologically proven that that it it creates better neural pathways when we collaborate with other people mm-hmm. to um, to learn things. So there's really true neural value in terms of your brain when you connect with other people to learn new behaviors or learn new ideas or whatever it is, right? So I think there's value number one there. Number two, it, this is a this is one of those those habits, at least for for, and I, I'm sure it's with all others you can learn from other people. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where we learn best is when we see other people taking actions and going, Oh, hmm, I could, I could try that. Right. And sometimes it's it's just that simple. People will, will say something or do something that you think that you haven't tried before. Oh, That's a good idea. Yeah. And there's another little shade to that, that we see all the time in the support community that we build in our way less program, where we're working on sustainable weight loss, which is all about behaviors and beliefs and thoughts and change. Um, that yes, they learn from each other and they see each other either have a realization, find a solution or stumble. You know, we can also learn from other people's stumbles. But one of the things that I see is that sometimes when we are committed to other people in a shared process of growth, we can find wisdom and compassion to offer another person that it's difficult for us to access for ourselves. And sometimes I've seen people say, wow, I, I never thought about this before. But you know, in responding to someone else, they come up with something that is really helpful for them. Mm -hmm. That was only kind of triggered in their desire to be there for someone else. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that the whole you do and it's just reinforcing, right? When you when you reach out and you share with somebody else something that you may not be as compassionate, you probably wouldn't be mm-hmm. providing the same compassion for yourself. Right. But doing it for somebody else also just reinforces that message to your own brain yes. to say, here is what we should be doing <laughs> for ourselves too, right? This is the best version of ourselves. We're showing up for other people in our best version, but we also then completely reinforce that message with our own selves. And it's just like anything else. The more you practice it, the better and easier it comes for you and for other people. Right. That's very well said. And and of course, when people listen to podcasts, they're usually by themselves with right. earbuds. And, but this is why you have a Facebook group built around mm-hmm. your podcast community so that people can be in community with one another. We do the same thing, not only for our Way Less program, but also for the Change Academy. We have those communities so that people that have a shared interest, that are using the same sorts of tools, that have a shared vocabulary can bounce off each other and support one another. And it's really one of my favorite parts of of this thing that you and I and Brock do is being able to create those communities that become engines for positive growth and change. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I, you know, the, 
the people that are supporting one another and just like you said, using the same language, Mm -hmm. that also is super important. And for somebody like, for people that are trying to change their alcohol habits, I think it's especially important because a lot of times the people around us, our family, our friends, all of them, they aren't in the process of changing those habits. Yes, good point. And that's probably the same for, for, for way and diet and everything else as well. So they're, you know, that's not where they're at. And mm-hmm. that's totally okay, right? I mean, they don't have to do you. And it's, and I like to say too, because a lot of times people will be like, oh, I, you know, I can't change because, and I, I used to be the same way because my husband drinks, right? So I would be like, oh, I can't even imagine what it would be like to not be drinking while he's drinking. Well, you know, again, that's just a story that I was telling myself right. for a long, long time. And that's it. But it's another reason that being involved with another group that's doing the same thing that you're doing is important. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us and certainly want to recommend the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast to all of our listeners, especially those who may now be curious about whether it might indeed be possible to change their behavior or their thoughts about alcohol and um, and especially if they experience some low level anx- or high level anxiety about maybe this habit is has gotten the better of me, we can heartily recommend Breaking the Bottle Legacy. And you have a new book that's due any minute. <laughs> well, any minute. I hope so. It's, uh, it's, it's by the same title, Breaking the Bottle Legacy. Um, and yes, I am, I will definitely let you know exactly when but it is going live on Amazon um, this in the next month, I hope. <laughs> Very exciting. Congratulations on that. And of course, we'll have Thank links you. to all of Molly's stuff in the show notes for today's episode. And uh, and if you hop on over to the Break the Bottle Legacy podcast, you may hear my interview with Molly on yep. her podcast. And I think Barack is also going to be a guest coming up soon. So it's yep. just one big happy family. Yeah, absolutely. So can't wait to share that with my audience as well. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Brock. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget to check out the Breaking the Bottle Legacy podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been the Change Academy.